You are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jessie Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi, friends. I'm so happy you're here. I really hope that you enjoyed last week. I mean, my face hurts from laughing sometimes when I hang out with Mercer. And I know a lot of you have have said that, you know, you listened and you were laughing and enjoying it as well. And I'm just so happy that you, you got to spend time with my friend. I think she's really awesome. And I'm so glad you guys got to enjoy some time with her. I bet you have a friend like Mercer. Do you have a friend like Mercer? They're, they're great to have around a campfire. Am I right? So let's move on to this week. So this week I'm bringing you our first guest that's not in North America. How about that? We've already done the United States. We've done Canada. I'm trying to remember, did I do no, nobody else, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now we're jumping across the pond, if you will. And um, we're talking to my friend April. We've had a couple Aprils this season already. This is number two for this uh, this season three. So April and I share something in common. Um, she used to live in the town that I live in. Now she lived here. She grew up here. She now lives in Ireland, and I live here. <laughs> and she will maybe come back to visit someday. I don't know. Somehow, maybe, <laughs> and then maybe we'll meet in real life. But until that point, um, we got connected over the magic of Instagram and hashtags. And I was like in her hashtag search, save search or something about, you know, San Angelo, where I live and where she's from. Because what? You know what, April? I need to do that. I need to go follow the hashtag of my hometown. Why haven't I thought of this before? That's a great idea. My hometown went from like the place you didn't want to be from, like the not cool, like what was cool. Um, but anyway, sometime like in the early knots, <laughs> the early 2000s and the 2010s, it became a really cool place to live. It's very interesting. It wasn't like that when I was a kid. Anyway, so April found me and was like, what? You've made me see the town I grew up in in a different way because I've, I think just honestly, like truly, like <laughs> she's like, I've never seen from up there. You know, I live on a hill and there's some cool views. And here we are. Now we've connected and she's doing some fucking fun shit in Ireland. <laughs> like, do you want to know what she's doing in Ireland? All right. I'd say let's go listen. Let's send it over to me in April. But, ooh, I got something to do first. <laughs> it's the regular scheduled uh, rate the show request. Oh, are you skipping this? All right. If you, if you already rated the show, you can go ahead and skip it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hit the little. Aren't those buttons the best? Go ahead. Skip, hit the buttons. If you haven't rated the show, it's really simple, and it's um, how you can help me grow the show to other people that don't listen to the show. So I want you to keep listening, but I want other people to listen too. So that's how we can get to them: is that we tell. Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all those other lovely listening devices. Not devices. 
the device is your iPhone, the platforms, <laughs> the platforms. Let them all know. Be like, hey, love this, dig it, love it, dig it. You know, you can write that, love it, dig it. <laughs> okay, so that's it. But now, now I'm going to go ahead. Now we're going to, you know, without further ado, as I like to say, or I have said once, <laughs> without further ado, let's go listen to me in April. Okay, here I am with April. Hi, April. Hi, Jesse. Hi. Hi. Uh, hi. <laughs> this is my favorite Monday morning activity. Like, I, it's well, what time is it for you, April? Let's do this. <laughs> it's Oh, it is evening for me. It yeah. is five, just after five in the evening. And five it's dark the, already. Yes, it's dark. Yeah. So tell everyone why it's dark where you are. Because I live in Ireland, or as it's pronounced here, Arlen. Arlen. No D, right? Arlen. 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 I love it. We're talking overseas. Is there, uh, this is our first uh, guest, I believe, from... Uh, yeah, I don't think I've talked to anybody else from um, outside of the country so far. But as I mentioned in the intro, we have like a local connection, but we've not met in real life. <laughs> That's April, true. April's hometown is the town I live in right now, and she just happens to be in Arlen. Arlen. Uh, life by Ireland. Okay. <laughs> We could just, we could do this all day. We could. We really we could. could. We really could. <laughs> I got places to go, but I could be here all day. Oh, April, what do we need to know about you besides, you know, you live in Ireland and you used to live in, <laughs> before we hear your story? Um, well, I'm a deeply spiritual person to the point I've made yes. it my career. Yes. Um, the name of my business, movement, <laughs> uh, organization, if you will, mm -hmm. is creativity is spirituality. And I really feel like those three words kind of say it all. It's really mm -hmm. just helping people find that overlap and um, in, in ways that are enriching to their lives. It's now just now kind of evolving from a one woman show into kind of a collective, which is exciting to behold, but it involves very, very um, intense Work, releasing of control. So uh -huh. <laughs> that's where uh -huh. I'm at right now. We could talk about that off uh, uh, off whatever sometime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, we could talk for ages about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else? What else is there to know about you? Uh, I've lived in Ireland now for two years almost. I, eh, one, one year and a half. I mm -hmm. grew up, I was born and raised in San Angelo, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up there. I moved to Austin straight away from there. Mm -hmm. I moved to Seattle after about four years in Austin. I lived in Seattle for five years. Back to Austin for 10 years. And then um, my story kind of begins there as far as what we're going to be talking about today. was oh. about that eighth year mm -hmm. living in Austin and feeling like I had massively outgrown that city, or perhaps more aptly put, that city had outgrown me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but um, bum. Yeah. Well, gosh, you're a great segue queen. So <laughs> <laughs> I will jump on your um, on ramp to that segue of like, all right, let's hear your story. What's what's the a moment that you know the the, the just not this and this can't be my life. And again, another one we've added is this can't be the plan or this mm -hmm. wasn't the plan or this can't right. be the plan too. I don't, yeah. Like, so tell us your moment and then we'll, then we'll contextualize it. But what, what's a moment for you that was a turning point in your life? For a while in Austin, I owned a shop called Fabricer. It was, as you can imagine, a business that sold fabric. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it did not go well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in some ways, it was a tremendous success. There were two businesses that actually spun off, actually more than two, 
but two successful businesses, one of which has gone on to do big, amazing things from that business. But none of those involve me. <laughs> so I, I was basically, that shop served as a springboard for a lot of amazing things that happened. And because it didn't work out mm-hmm. and because everything that went on from there and seemed at the time for a, for a number of years, it seemed that everything that did come from it that worked out not having involved me felt like I was the common denominator mm-hmm. in the failure mm-hmm. for everyone involved with it. Another fabric store sprung up from its ashes. It did great for a long time. Uh, yet another fabric store sprung from being basically inspired from my fabric shop. It did great for a while. And that is the time we're talking about. When those two businesses were doing great, and there I was feeling like a total Mm -hmm. loser. Mm -hmm. Also, there was a factory that opened up. And the decision to start that clothing factory in Austin, that conversation literally occurred in my shop because of an event that I put together and I was very much a part of that brain trust for the beginning of it. We, you know, we got funding from the city to get that going. But when it came time for it to actually, for us to actually put rubber to the road on it, I got cold feet. Mm-hmm. We had just bought a house. There was still a lot of drama around my shop not working out mm-hmm. with me and other people in that world. That was kind of contentious for me, but I was willing to overlook that to make this all happen. Mm -hmm. We had just bought this house and my husband was the one that was the breadwinner and he was working himself to death. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day he looked over at me and he said, I know you have big dreams. You've Mm -hmm. been chasing those for a couple of years now. And I do believe in you. I think you're wonderful, but I'm going to need you to go back to a regular job and make Mm -hmm. some money or we're going to lose this house. Mm Mm-hmm. Eventually, right? Mm-hmm. There was no real danger it wasn't like of that. next week, but he could he could see no, like no. he could see the path. Yeah, and he was right. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw the writing on the wall. I didn't mm-hmm. resist it. I started joyfully pouring myself into job applications. It was Duh. the right thing to do. Yeah, I got this awesome job. Like it was a dream job. It mm-hmm. seemed like my dream job. Mm-hmm. I, I was. I noticed the word "seemed." I feel like yeah. we're going to get there. Yeah, we will. <laughs> And in many ways, it was. I started at that job, and I definitely had an an elongated and prolonged honeymoon period. I really Mm -hmm. felt like I would be working there for the rest of my life. I felt like I was going to retire from that job. I felt like like it was my family. And I know Mm -hmm. that that's kind of corporate speak, but I really felt that it was true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, after giving entrepreneurship a go and not doing well with it, I felt like I was, and to a large degree, I still feel this way even now, I felt like I was unemployable. So I felt like (laughs) I was lucky to have even gotten that job. And that's that's where we set our scene. Okay. Um, Very quickly, Uh they caught on to the fact that I was a little bit on the desperate side. Yep. We would lose people from my department and they would not be replaced because I would so eagerly and happily take on their work. Their work. I loved my boss. Like to this day, I hold her in such high regard, but she mm-hmm. was pulled in a lot of directions herself. 
she was the head of the company. So mm-hmm. I was working directly for the head of the for company. Her. And mm-hmm. the feeling that I had collaborating with her felt like it would feel to be that VP, C-level kind of management kind of stuff. The mm-hmm. stuff that I was trusted with, mm-hmm. with this company was big time stuff. We were making decisions on seven-figure investments mm-hmm. into growing this company, and it felt very real, and I felt very included. I was referred to in these conversations with vendors as a stakeholder. One day, though, <laughs> I we kind of had a rough spot in our marriage, mm-hmm. and I looked at what I was making for a living, and I couldn't have afforded an apartment mm-hmm. on what I was making, even in the mm-hmm. suburbs, even in the distant suburbs. Even in Buda? <laughs> no, not even in Buda. <laughs> I looked. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Round Rock, Georgetown. Right. I couldn't have afforded it. Right. And, and I mean, Austin's expensive. Yes. The suburbs aren't that expensive. Right. I didn't have a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I did pay off the debt that I owed from the, the shop that it closed, I still wasn't able to afford it. And I realized something. I was working for a tiny amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I was making some really big decisions. Mm-hmm. I was pulling 60, 80, 80 hours a week, certain times of year. It was a, kind of a seasonal type kind of business. Mm-hmm. A business that required you to be all hands on deck for about three months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So, of course, my marriage hit a rough spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right? We go into therapy because mm-hmm. we wanted to work it out. We wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that we weren't making some horrible decision, staying together or splitting up. Right. I was about to say either way. Mm-hmm. Right. I was pretty sure I wanted to split. He mm-hmm. was pretty sure he wanted it to work. Mm-hmm. We go into therapy and thank heavens for that therapist. She mm-hmm. was such a godsend. We got about, I would say, two, three months in, and uh, she'd gotten to know us pretty well. We were going mm-hmm. in weekly there for a while, mm-hmm. and she just kind of looked over at me, and she goes, I'm sorry, why do you work there again? <laughs> and I kind of went down the litany of what I just said, like, look, I have a lot of important mm-hmm. decisions on my shoulders, and you know, I work directly for the the you know the head yeah. of the company and I love this I love my coworkers I love doing mm-hmm. what I do and she was like I'm sorry um <laughs> you said you love your coworkers but didn't you just mention in a previous conversation that like most of the people in your department had quit and that you were doing their work for them in their absence and I was like uh yeah and basically I just had a lot of things kind of thrown back at me like just the fact that I financially, it came up that financially I couldn't have afforded to live on my own mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. what I was making. And then also trying to say like, oh, I'm making all these big decisions and oh, I'm getting so much out of this. And, and it, my husband turned to me and he says, you're miserable. You're a miserable, unhappy person. You don't have any hobbies mm-hmm. anymore. And when I met you, you were the hobby queen. My God, I used to be in two different bands I used, and I mean, I, I opened my own fabric shop because I love fabric and sewing and knitting and crocheting. Mm-hmm. And I used to have every hobby all the time. I used to consider myself and my life to be like a permanent Girl Scout, yes. earning badges. <laughs> I love with it. Every hobby that I took on. And that had completely stopped. Mm-hmm. 
that was the big wake up call for me Mm -hmm. because I looked around my life and the way that I spent my time and it was work, maybe eat, Mm -hmm. sleep, maybe sleep, work. Right. There was no time left for our marriage and we have a kid. There was nothing left for my kid. I barely ever saw her sometimes. Mm -hmm. And for my husband to just be so honest and say, look, Mm -hmm. you're really miserable. And somewhere in that conversation, it came up that I'd been there for three years Mm -hmm. and I hadn't gotten a raise once. Mm -hmm. I'd gotten like a bonus check here and there and Mm -hmm. I'd gotten thousands of pats on the back. But I started to see that the management of the company, you know, they were buying second houses and mm-hmm. remodeling their existing very large houses and improving their estates and buying horses. And mm-hmm. here I was not making enough to afford to leave my marriage if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, our marriage kind of fixed itself. I'm, I'll go into that in a second, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it became very obvious to me that there was just this wealth divide that mm-hmm. I had witnessed, you know, you look at all these CEOs and mm-hmm. these major mega corps and all these things, and you think to yourself, oh God, that's so awful that those CEOs are paying their people so low and you know how do they get away with that? Right. Like yes. how do they rationalize do, that? Yeah. And then I realized that was me. Then you were like, oh, I am doing that. I am an yeah. act, I'm an active participant in this. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Willingly. Yeah. And yeah. There was some legislation, this is at the end of the Obama administration, the very Mm -hmm. end, and there was some legislation that was about to be passed about overtime, meaning Mm -hmm. that if you made under a certain threshold, and let Mm -hmm. me tell you, that threshold was low. Mm -hmm. If you made under a certain threshold, you were entitled to overtime pay. Even salary? Yeah, like Mm -hmm. the salary threshold Mm -hmm. was such that, I mean, it's still... Frighteningly, it's frighteningly a low amount of money. It's, right, right. It's, yeah. So that legislation was coming down, and I would have been in that new threshold mm-hmm. if that had, if that mm-hmm. legislation had gone through. And <laughs> they were trying to raise that amount, and I remember going to HR and saying, "Why don't you guys just do it just anyway? <laughs> do one or the other. Either start paying me overtime now, mm-hmm. or." raise my salary to above the threshold, which wasn't that far. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking like a few thousand dollars mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. Ooh. I believe that was a moment. <laughs> that was a moment. Uh-huh. And then we went back to therapy. Mm-hmm. My husband begged me to quit my job after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said I'd give it some thought. Mm-hmm. One of my, around that same time, one of my dearest friends came to me and said that he was thinking about doing a second documentary, and that was supposed to be like, in a, like a spiritual sequel, sequel to a documentary he had done 13 years prior, which I had helped him with, mm-hmm. and asked if I would be willing to help him out with that, which meant going part-time at my job, and I thought that would be the best solution a, for all involved. A medium ground, the middle ground, if you, <laughs> if you mm-hmm. will. I thought that would be the nice thing to do, and... The atmosphere of that decision reverberated. It was dark. Yeah, I would go to work and I just got death glares from just about everybody. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was not a, 
that nobody was happy for me. This was an exciting right. project. Right. The documentary ended up being a huge success. It premiered at South by. It was critically acclaimed, went toured all over these independent film circuits and, mm -hmm. and festivals and got all these different laurels. And I played a much larger role on this one than I did the first one. So it ended up being a good decision, but it became very clear that I wasn't going to be able to like go back full time mm -hmm. to that job mm -hmm. because I didn't think that there was something that my husband kind of saw. It was a meme. It was a meme. Oh my he gosh, saw I around love this it. time. Yep, and it said, "Pay close attention to who isn't clapping when you win." <gasps> oh, 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 oh. Okay, hold on. Play. I'm taking okay, notes. Pay close, close attention, attention to who isn't clapping when you win. Who? Yes. And things were going well for me, mm -hmm. but because I was inconveniencing people, and not even that much, everybody was just so angry. Mm -hmm. And not even willing to like sit down and negotiate my salary with me mm -hmm. to kind of go, look, we can see why you might want to go part-time if there's something more exciting that's going to uh -huh. pay you more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, temporarily. And a we'll, documentary we'll... film will pay you more? That says yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. right. It, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, that never happened. I, I assumed mm -hmm. that would be what would happen. Mm -hmm. So, again, back in the therapy chair, we were nearing the end of, mm -hmm. that set of, of those sessions with that wonderful, wonderful therapist. And she told us to do a double-blind experiment to write down, mm -hmm. like, three or five things, like a list of things we both wanted out of our lives, like goals, like big-picture stuff mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily have to do with what the other one wants. Right, this is like you personally. Right, like this is, where do you see your life going from here? Mm -hmm. So I made my list. I'll never forget. It was this little tiny folder looking thing that had post-it notes in it mm -hmm. that I kept okay. in my purse for some reason. I still don't know why I had that in my purse, but you know, I we ladies in yeah. our purses. Oh God, yeah. How'd you know? I'm the same. <laughs> so I remember writing it down in that thing mm -hmm. on a post-it note. Uh, one of those post-it notes that had lines on it, too. I remember it so uh -huh. clear. And I don't even remember what anything else on that list said. But one of the things on that list for me was live abroad. Then we sit down in the therapist chair, and we're supposed to read these lists out. Mm -hmm. Number one on my husband's list was live abroad. And you guys hadn't? No. No. Not really. So... That had been like, and, and I'm telling things, I'm telling this story kind of maybe a little bit out of sequence because I remember being still at that job very much full time at that point. Sorry about being a little disjointed here. Yeah, that's right. But that seed got planted pretty firmly in my brain. And this was 2017. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, politically a lot was going on and it was all very weird and scary. And I remember coming home from work one day, not long after that, and going, Let's just do it. Mm -hmm. Let's just live abroad. My husband's a German citizen, and he's an archery coach. Mm -hmm. And he coaches at the national – he coached in the States at the national level. He coached at the Olympic Training Center wow. for a number of years. He was one of many, many, many other coaches. He was not by any means the head coach or anything like that. He's <laughs> part of a very large network of coaches, of coaches that coach the Olympic Dream Team, the junior so Olympic cool. Dream Team. So cool. 
And he was ranked as far as like, you know, how far he'd been trained to be uh, an Olympic coach, Olympic level coach. He was pretty far up that chain. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, he'd worked up to level, what's called level four, and there's five levels. So I said, you know, between your passport and your ability to kind of mm-hmm. offer something to the world, we should start kind of looking around for for what <laughs> that um, would look like, where that could take us. Yeah, mm-hmm. Germany naturally was at the top of the list because he's mm-hmm. a citizen there. Yeah, and at the time he was working for a mega corp. He no longer works there, mm-hmm. but the mega corp had an office in Germany that had positions that he could have slid into rather easily, but he doesn't speak German. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. Uh-huh. So that was kind of a, eh, you know, then our kid would have to learn German and I would have to learn what German. Hmm. hmm. Started to kind of seem, then Brexit. That was also mm. right after Brexit. It was also during that will-they-won't-they they time with Brexit, so we didn't want to take uh, aren't our chances. are they still in that? No, just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> I know, I know. As of a few days ago, it's a very real thing. Finally. And if, I think if I put any money down on that, I lost, because I really never thought it was going to happen. Yeah, and I can't believe it took so long. <laughs> it was, oh, God. So um, UK was out, unfortunately. He and I speak a little French. We actually speak more French than he does German. So there's that. <laughs> we thought, you know, you would really have to learn French to live in France. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how it came about, but something came up about the fact that the Megacorp that he worked for had an office in Dublin, mm-hmm. which is an English-speaking country, mm-hmm. largely. Mm-hmm. We can talk a little bit more about that later, but... <laughs> It definitely had a, they definitely had a position open mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. That didn't end up panning out. But we decided that he was just going to schedule himself an interview for that role in person. Mm-hmm. And we were going to go on vacation to Dublin and just be like, hey, I'm in town. We should just meet yeah. <laughs> with that hiring manager. I'm just in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're just, we're just here. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> So it was a lovely, I had, we had a lovely time. It was the both of us that went to that mm-hmm. meeting and, and she was lovely. It just seemed as we were talking about the role, they were looking for somebody far less senior mm-hmm. and it just wasn't going to be the right fit, but it still gave us a really good idea of what it was like to live and work in Dublin. Mm-hmm. So we started thinking about it for, and for another thing. I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are going to be like, Dublin's the best. Dublin's great. I couldn't see myself living in that city. It just wasn't my city. Mm -hmm. It's not at all what I imagined it to be. And it's definitely not at all what the rest of Ireland is like. Right. So I was a bit crushed to hear that that position kind of wasn't probably going to work out. Mm -hmm. And also to see through that week that Dublin is great for a visit, but not ideal for living. In fact, as of right now, it is the most expensive city in Europe to live in. Wow. I wouldn't yeah, have guessed that just, at all. I would not have guessed that. No, and, and mm-hmm. it's definitely not the case 10 years ago. I mean, I would have thought Paris. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. It's worse or than London. Paris now. Or London. You know? It's worse than London now. It's wow. just that bad. It's a small... It covers a lot less ground than those other two cities you just mentioned, right. London and Paris. And so it gives a premium on everything. 
premium on everything. Real estate. Yeah. Uh-huh. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And not great commuting options like in London and Paris. Right. Like okay. you don't have like a fantastic train system or uh-huh. even really, I mean, the bus system's pretty good here, but it's not to where you can reliably commute. Mm-hmm. So Infra- infrastructure um, is so important in big cities like that. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. we went for a long walk after mm-hmm. that. We, we walked all the way from this mega corpse office way out in the boonies mm-hmm. back into downtown Dublin, which is quite a walk. Let me tell you, it was <laughs> a long walk. But the cab was going to be outrageous, right. and I just needed to walk off. I needed like, to walk off the whole thing. It was just we were in the mood to just th- walk yeah. it off. Oh, I know those. Yeah, those are good moods. And he had this. <laughs> this is funny. Through some acquaintances on Instagram, haha. This <laughs> is how we know each other. Yep, is Instagram. Um, through some acquaintances on Instagram, he found out the name of the president. He was that time at that time the vice president of archery Ireland, and they had scheduled time to just have a beer that evening. I'm in the town again. I was exhausted. I said, "I'm not in the mood, and I'm tired." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've and just walked said, 500 miles. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and I would walk 500 more, but more. I'm tired. <laughs> Good one. You picked up what yes. I was putting down. Yes, baby, yes. yes. Um, funny story about that. I actually live within the 500 mile, 500 more uh-huh. radius uh-huh. from where that song was written now. So yes. he would come yes. to me if I were yes. the object of his affections. Yes. They would. I guess it was two guys that wrote that. Yes. Okay. So that's kind of cool that I could say that. Yes. Um, then uh, he said, well, he's bringing his wife. Oh, oh, the yeah, and you're like, yeah, oh. 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 okay. Like I do have to go. Dinner. Yeah, just one beer, you know, right? Right, right. So we go to this pub, and this was Black Friday. Does Black which, Friday happen in Ireland? It Ireland. does. Oh, okay, it does. It's uh, it's a shopping thing, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's not like nobody has Thanksgiving off. It's just a regular. Oh, day, but yeah. it's um, but you it know, is, like Labor still, Day sale kind of thing. Right. Well, it's still we'd get Labor Day off in the states, but right. uh, I don't but know. It is, it's a, well, there's Black like Friday here. Yeah, I mean, there's just you know big sales. Yeah, you that's, know? that's the same thing as here. All right. I wasn't sure. If, I thought that would be an American thing, Black Friday. Mm, I think it was, and yeah. then it became a global global. Thing. Sorry, yeah. globe. Mm. <laughs> well. For that particular moment, though, it worked. It out. added some color to the story because the oh, pub was just full packed, of rosy right? cheek people with their shopping bags, and there was a lot of liveliness and just good spirits because people yes. were all downtown to go shopping. Holiday and, shopping, yeah, yeah. They were just crammed in there, and it's also good. The Black Friday sale here is really kind of considered the kind of kickoff season mm-hmm. to the Christmas season. Yep. Just like it is back home. Yep. I don't know how long that's been the case here. Does Probably, everyone know why it's called Black Friday? Because traditionally that's the day that retailers go into the black financially. Ah, everyone, you've learned something today. Uh, it takes, uh, what is it? The fir- the previous 11 months, uh, businesses are in the red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on that Friday, they go into the black. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Having worked in retail for many years, yes. I can tell you that is gospel what you just yes. said. Yes, yes. Just, just want to make sure everybody knows that. Some people don't know that. They're, yeah. They're just, yeah, yeah. It's financial. Um, 
so that pub was just this kind of this moment where I looked around and I went and I felt kind of like, yeah, this does feel good. There were lots of moments that week. We spent Thanksgiving at the Hilton with a bunch of other Americans and some expats. Mm -hmm. So that was really magical. And I felt like, okay, I could do this maybe. And then we sat down with Kevin and Gina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we had, uh, I don't drink, but I was in the pub that night with a big old glass of water. Mm -hmm. And everybody was having a beer. Oh, actually, Kevin doesn't drink either. So Kevin and I had a, a tea and a water. Oh. <laughs> I think Gina and Alex had a had a, uh, a, pint. a pint. A point. Point. And uh, we just get to talking. And it's just supposed to be one of those conversations that's just shared interest. Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's just like we're in town. Let's talk about like archery. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just like making friends wherever I go kind of yeah. conversation. Yes, exactly. But Kevin looks at Alex and goes, you know, Ireland doesn't have an archery head coach. And Alex goes, you don't? Like, didn't, yeah. And he was like, we could really use a guy like you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and that's when I knew. Oh, shit. I was moving to Ireland. <laughs> yeah. And it became all about this dream. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't like we were going to move here and Archery Ireland was going to pay Alex a giant salary, enough to you know mm -hmm. support a family. We knew that his employment prospects were going to be decent because he had, you know, a good skill set in tech mm -hmm. and, and, um, he was, you know, a EU citizen, so he could work mm -hmm. in Ireland. And, um, for me though, it would be a, a rocky little, start. Right. So, um, you know, there were, the writing was on the wall that we were moving to Ireland and little by little, um, I had been working kind of freelance as a, as a business consultant, I did that work for the documentary. It went great. Okay, right. I started doing a lot more work in the in the film industry there, doing just business consultant kind of stuff, right. sales. Mm -hmm. Wasn't really kicking ass at that either, to be honest. After the documentary was, you know, funded and everything, I just I kind of just struggled. And mm -hmm. I I started to see the writing on the wall really fast. It, that was Thanksgiving of twenty eighteen. We had owned a house in Austin for about four years at that point and mm -hmm. I just started to say look you're never I said to my husband you're never going to get this out of your mind mm -hmm. first of all I made him call Kevin on the phone <laughs> just to make sure it was real right <laughs> like are you and it yeah. wasn't just yeah pint talk right yeah well no that's wise of you this is a huge decision yeah yeah and I was on the actually I was on the one saying it was real Alex you need to call him because right. Alex needed to hear from Kevin that right. that was real like, no we need to legitimately consider this I said you'll never you're never gonna get this out of your mind like mm -hmm. it's never gonna be it's gonna be a what if we yeah yeah forever and I said remember on the last day of couples therapy we both wrote live abroad mm -hmm. this is just too much stuff at once mm -hmm. to ignore. Mm -hmm. He says, I don't think I'm going to get a transfer with my job. I said, that doesn't matter. matter. Right. We have to figure out our own way. And I know that's going to involve some very hard decisions, but I think we should follow your dream. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was getting a lot of, 
how should I put this? I was getting a lot of training okay. on spiritual leadership. Okay. 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 I kind of no. fell into it. Okay. If I'm being honest. I'd always loved spiritual stuff. Okay. But Huge was... Eckhart Tolle fan. Okay. Yep. Love Oprah Winfrey stuff, mm-hmm, like back mm-hmm. when she was on the air and all of that was going on. Huge Marianne Williamson fan. Huge. Mm-hmm. Changed my life. So for me to have kind of fallen ass backwards into mm-hmm. spiritual leadership training stuff mm-hmm. was really not that big of a surprise to me. It I started going to a spiritual teacher that taught this modality known as creative alchemy, which is okay. essentially expressing your deepest, most profound bodily held emotions through the mm-hmm. act of full body like painting. You put your entire body into that energy of painting okay. uh-huh. with your hands and I loved it. Like it was it was transformational for me and at the end of that one month program that I signed up for, she asked if I was interested in being certified to teach it. It was a hell yes. I mean, yeah. it was a one-year thing, but in this time, I was just like, yes. I yes, I want yes. to get trained on something like this. It sounds really cool. I want to bring this into whatever it is I'm doing with my life. Right. And um, I'm a free agent at this point. Right. You're. Are you already transitioning to move? Uh, that came about through- Right, at the, the same time. Yeah, actually, I, I started to start to see some- <laughs> I start to see some shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that was concurrent with being a, being a business development freelancer, Mm -hmm. being in therapy with my husband, Mm -hmm. being no longer at that hell job and really just kind of figuring myself out and staying more Mm -hmm. in tune with myself, Mm -hmm. being really in tune with my, what I want. What I want. Right, what you want, what you so rolling it back to like the what like you've, what your therapist had you write down like what do I want? What am I doing? Like trying to like Dara said the word intentional. Yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was because mm-hmm. I would not have been able to say what needed to be said in that agreement mm-hmm. if I hadn't been going through that training at that time. Yep. When we put those words to paper and they were double blind, the same words, mm-hmm. I said, that was some sort of magic spell. And we we have to understand that these things aren't going to magically happen to us. No. No, your mega corp is not going to magically make a transfer happen for you, even if they do have a somewhat relatable mm-hmm. position open. Mm-hmm. It's not. Obviously, happen. they're not going to just do that. So this is an exercise in, in making it happen. Yeah. We're going to, it's not going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. It, we're going to make it happen. And then once we start to make it happen, it'll start kind of coming point. together. Mm-hmm. And that's when the Kevin thing happened, Kevin and Gina mm-hmm. pint conversation happened. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, it was tough because we had to re- we loved our house. We loved the house that we had in Austin. It was mm-hmm. in the perfect neighborhood. It was the perfect little size for us. It was a little bungalow house. It was not some sprawling mega mansion. Mm-hmm. It was like it was the Austin house. I can see the porch. Oh right. God, it was so cute, mm-hmm. and it broke our hearts to put it on the market. Mm-hmm. But we just started getting into a frenzy of let's make this happen. Mm-hmm. We put the house on the market and just kind of disappeared to Paris for a week. <laughs> <laughs> 
That that house sold by the time we got we home. got back. Of course, yeah. I, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I turned forty on that trip. That was my fortieth birthday, mm-hmm. and we were just like, "Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh fuck!" <laughs> this is happening. This is totally happening. Yeah. Um, couldn't have imagined a better a better person to sell it to. The the couple that moved into that house started their own woodworking company out of the what was the garage and then they built they rebuilt the shed into this beautiful wood workshop they make such amazing stuff totally gonna promote them they're called tiny fan workshop so they bought our house and we follow them on instagram and we just completely are so glad that it's like the right people the right Mm -hmm. time and Mm -hmm. um we put all of our things on a shipping container and just held our breath and then <laughs> we disappeared on a cruise ship <laughs> for a week. Shipped our dogs overseas, mm-hmm. which, you know, is a full day of of plane rides for two very mm-hmm. high strung little terriers. And um <laughs> and we made it. Like we bought this we, we didn't buy the house we're living in. We we rented this house sight unseen. Mm-hmm. For a minute there, we thought we got hardcore scammed because we wired our first in month last month's rent to this guy we didn't know. <laughs> and then we showed pictures of the house to some friends of ours that were from England. And they were like, there aren't houses like this in Ireland for what you're paying. Like, like, like it wasn't yeah. a lot, it wasn't a big amount of money. Like they were honestly, we're getting a good deal on the rent here, but they were like, you got scammed i'm so sorry but you totally oh, got scammed no. we were just like bawling our heads uh, off like all of our stuff was being sent to this fictional the, address right. and we wired the money we had wired the money there's no getting it back at that point so we just felt like idiots but it turned out fine because we asked the landlord you know hey we're doing this sight unseen we kind of framed it like you don't know us either right How about we do a video call you go out to the house and do a video call with us. Show us around the house. So we, yeah, that's totally And you get to reasonable. know us. Yes. Because we're, you know, it's your family home and we're a family and you want to know us and meet our dogs because it was a no pets thing, but he made an exception. So we mm-hmm. brought the dogs on the call and we were like, arf, arf, here's our dogs, you know? And it, it was a real thing. Right. <laughs> Alex and Anne's flight showed up earlier than mine i was uh-huh. a day back in case the dogs got sent back for some strange reason we just wanted to make sure that mm-hmm. they, they would were, be in safe yeah. hands on both sides so um yeah i got he got there he texted me the dogs are fine the house is great it's real we're doing this uh mega corp <laughs> let him work uh remotely for mm-hmm. until he found another job and that they were really great about that actually i can't say enough nice things about megacorp you can probably deduce which of the big four it was. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they, they said you can work remotely until you find something else, either mm-hmm. within the company or outside of the company. They were awesome about that. And we just purchased a house here. So oh, I we'll be moving that. into that soon. We're super excited about it. But this is, uh, it's been a big leap. It's yeah. been a larger culture shock than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're an English speaking country, but I can tell you this right now. When I first moved here, it was the same level of comprehension. I speak a little bit of French, like at a college mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. I understand French as much as I do uh, understand the way people spoke here when I first moved here. I, I'm fine with accents now. Uh-huh. I'm fine with the expressions now. 
most of the time. I would at say first, you were like eighty percent of the time. At first, it was like ten, ten, twenty percent. I'm like, I'm getting about ten to twenty percent of this conversation. That reminds me of like if you go to South Boston, they're speaking English, yes. and you're like, what are they saying? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Accents are intense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's yeah. like there's a Boston and then there's South Boston. <laughs> and I'm from Massachusetts. And that's where you're from. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still like, I don't know what the fuck they're saying. No, I I yeah. don't. I don't park the car. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. It was Talk amongst tough. yourselves. Yeah. So did he have... He had the position with Ireland Archery before you got there, right? Yeah. And it's really more of an... We like to call it an opportunity. Right. And less than a job. Huh? It was not really a gerb. It was it was an opportunity. It was an opening for an opportunity. Right. And yeah, that's obviously been severely put into a holding pattern with COVID. Right. But um right. But your husband been a has lot of a progress. Yeah, your husband has a job outside of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He has a job that you got. He has a great job. A, Great. Yeah. And then he has this opportunity that mm-hmm. will come back into life past COVID again. Well, you know, COVID is one of those things where it's horrible and everybody uh-huh. hates it. Uh-huh. But everybody who found a silver lining found a pretty good silver lining. Yeah. And that's a an enormous privilege. It's mm-hmm. an enormous blessing. It's not something everybody had access to. And mm-hmm. we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that privilege plays a huge role in being able mm-hmm. to find silver linings and... Mm-hmm such a global headache yeah, nightmare, you know? Yeah. Yep. But one of the things that he didn't realize, and I don't want to talk about too much about his story because I'm just going to say all the wrong things, but mm-hmm. um, one of the things he didn't realize in making that jump into this opportunity is that there was a lot of back back end stuff that had to happen, like certifications he had to get over here and right, right. recognitions and, you know, like mm-hmm. say sport is one of the things that they call here back in the States. It was sort of like, um, you know, just basically putting in some sort of official clearance that you're um, not an abusive person, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And then also getting, getting networked with uh, elite sports is what it's called here. But mm-hmm. back in the States, we would say that would be like the Olympics the Olympic committee kind okay. of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. I'm Like I said, I'm going to say the wrong thing. He was able to get uh, the kind of certifications needed to be, mm-hmm. to get archery recognized as an elite sport here, which was something that needed to happen no matter who can, was the coach. I so, can't believe that hadn't happened. You've mentioned that to me before. And I'm just like, wait, what? In Ireland? Archery yeah, was never. It just had to happen. Yeah. It had to be somebody who had the time and right, the to passion put in all and, them. And mm-hmm. we're in just this unique little situation where that's totally possible. Mm-hmm. This house that we bought has a giant field next to it. <laughs> so cool. So we're going to be doing some cool things with that. We're awesome. already talking about ideas. Awesome. And because I don't want to focus all on, on your husband's part of this, like then what has happened for you? It's kind of like, I feel like now we got to kind of, we're almost to present day, but like, okay, you've landed in Ireland and what are you going to do? Like, are you just going to like roll around the green hills? Like go drink, <laughs> drink pints? No, you're not going to do that. Like, you know, you were starting, this thing was bubbling up like organically, dare I say, before you left Austin. So what mm-hmm. happened when you landed? Oh. When you got off the airplane the day after everyone else did? <laughs> I knew nobody. Yep. And I knew that it meant that I would just have to kind of, look around for the mm-hmm. serendipities. Mm-hmm. I found some. 
I made some really good friends really soon mm-hmm. based on very serendipitous events. And I got into what they were into and I joined their clubs and I, and I helped with their events and things and, and realized very quickly that it wasn't for me. And I think everybody realized that at once. <laughs> um, but I made some seriously good friends out of mm-hmm. that. And it was just a matter of just lending a hand when mm-hmm. it needed to be lent. And mm-hmm. then they came to know me and I came to know them and like-mindedness mm-hmm. was very obvious when it comes to the people I'm talking about. Not all of them are Irish, actually. Uh, a couple of these friends are Americans that are here. Mm-hmm. And um, they have been, like, of course, absolute godsends to me. One of them is a tr- is in training to be a shaman oh. and is an ordained minister. Mm-hmm. And I got a gig with an organization in Austin, here in Ireland, while I'm living here in Ireland, mm-hmm. I got a gig doing business development stuff for an uh, organization based out of Austin. Ironically enough. <laughs> One of the founders is from Ireland. <laughs> so <laughs> I got that took them on as a biz dev client right when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And that decimated that client for me. And, and it was a spiritual organization though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I got to know those folks quite well and in and a few rather intimately as friends. And in among those intimate few, uh, one of them was a ordained minister. Mm-hmm. And I got to talking to her. We were both raised Church of Christ, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you know a whole lot about Church of Christ. So mm-hmm. in San Angelo, that would be the giant orange church with a giant cream-colored steeple on Johnson Street, Johnson Street Church of Christ is where I grew up. Okay. Right Mm -hmm. by the university. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she also grew up Church of Christ. And also the organization that I worked for had hired Nadia Bowles-Weber to come speak at their previous event. And I met her and she's former Church of Christ and she's an ordained minister. You see where this is going? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It just seemed like all the writing was on the wall. Mm -hmm. One of the main things I want to mention about Church of Christ, because I could spend a while talking about how much harm it did me and that's a whole other podcast entirely but (laughs) one of the main things was that women just don't they're just not allowed to have leadership there i mean just Mm -hmm. they're not even when i went there the 16 years that i went there they weren't allowed even allowed at the pulpit not even Mm -hmm. to lead a song or do a reading or anything like nothing dust dust it (laughs) imagine being stepping in ass backwards like i said into spiritual Mm -hmm. leadership and having that particular cog going on in my brain that women mm-hmm. don't go to the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Here I was already a huge fan of Nadia Bolts, whatever, and I was already like starting to feel this need to be a teacher mm-hmm. in spiritual concepts, something mm-hmm. I just knew more about than most people I knew. Mm-hmm. And people were starting to ask me questions about stuff like that. And I kind of felt a combination of I need more education on this before I can teach people about it. Mm-hmm. And also quite a bit of imposter syndrome because once I got certified on creative alchemy, I still felt like I had some massive gaps. Mm-hmm. So I talked to one of the people at that organization in Austin. I talked to her about what I was kind of going through. She says, you really need to consider getting 
ordained with an interfaith organization. And I went, that exists. Yeah, you're like, a what? Who is that? I thought about maybe going to grad school, but you have to be a resident here forever for that to make financial sense. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, three years, which mm-hmm. that wasn't wasn't going to happen overnight anyway. Right, and I really right. kind of felt like getting a PhD in theology would look a lot nicer mm-hmm. if I got ordained. So yeah. I um, started approaching different interfaith organizations. I found mm-hmm. one in the UK known as One Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they are... Um, they're affiliated with the uh, Finehorn organization in Scotland. Okay. And they're an interfaith organization that trains spiritual leaders and okay. gets them ordained, not just, and you know, in the States, you can get internet ordained kind of. Yes, or, yes. Uh-huh. Right. You know, really anybody, you don't even have to do that. In the States, really, you just have to be a, a warm-blooded human being mm-hmm. present at the wedding that can sign your name on a piece right. of paper. Here it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have to kind of have some something to show for it and an organization willing to vouch for you. Right. Okay. okay. So these guys were one of those organizations. They said, we have recognition in Ireland, Scotland, and England, and Wales, and you get certified with us. You get ordained with us. You can sign wedding. Uh, you can sign mm-hmm. uh, marriage licenses and death certificates. Okay. And along the way learn a heck of a lot about your your life and your spirit, your relationship to God, whatever you whatever you want on that path. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. How um, long is this program? It's two years. Mm-hmm. I'm, like I'm it's, four it's, months in. Yeah. It's like a, a, a like master's it is. program. It is. It, it is. It is. Yeah. Because that's and what I've considered when you told me about it before. It sounded like, I was like, it sounds like just a master's program. Pretty much mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. At the end mm-hmm. of it, you end up with letters. You know, mm-hmm. you would be Reverend mm-hmm. So, <laughs> all right, Reverend April, right? Reverend, I love it. And then, like, so you you have a, a sponsor, which was your former client, right? The, are they the one sponsoring you? Did Mm-mm. I get no, no? Who's the one sponsoring no. you? Who's your sponsor? You said My you have sponsor. I thought you said you like. I, f- I felt like you had to, you had to be working with someone, like. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Mm-mm. Oh, no. I don't know where I got that from. That there had to be like an organization that was behind you of like or sending. Oh, to get to get ordained in this yes. part of the world, yeah, yes. in the UK okay. and in Ireland, you have to have an organization that says that backs you up on that. Like, right. says, yes, she is one of ours. Where, right, and they have to co-sign on that paperwork with the government. Okay, okay. Whereas so who, in the states, it's not like that. So no, much. it's not like that. Who remind me? Who is that for you again? So who's one your, spirit? One spirit. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love this whole setup. And I, it's fascinating, the difference between the two countries, because like we just said, you know, in the United States, you can, like, I could go and probably get it done today. I could be an ordained minister. And that's new. I, when um, when we got married in 2005 in Vegas, <laughs> I, was, I was telling somebody the story and we were like, no, Elvis actually didn't perform the ceremony because he, there was only, at the time, there was only two ordained Elvises because it, <laughs> It was before the internet was, it was 2005. It was before you could do the, like, you could get ordained on the internet. So there was only two in the city. And so they, like, were a premium. And, I mean, sure, there was one at the place we got married at, but it was, like, 400 bucks for him to perform that. And we were like, I don't think so. We're not being It ain't cheap here either. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's my, my I'll dress internet. up like Elvis. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my God, the American dressed up. At- An American woman, no less. Y- dressed up as Too Elvis cute. to perform your. There's your niche. Right there. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. I so think that- I'd be a little bit more comfortable with a Lady Gaga outfit. <gasps> there you go. Or Freddie Mercury. Go. You've. you've- I'd have there's to cut so my hair, many though. ways. There's so many ways you can, wigs, wigs, wigs. <laughs> there's so many ways you could market this interfaith, mm-hmm. you know, certification. Let's call it that you're gonna have. Oh yeah, my friend here has mm-hmm. a has a lot of fun with it. She's she loves doing it. She's huge supporter in me getting it done too because there's a a lot of demand here. People want to get married in Ireland. It's beautiful here. Mm-hmm. So let me ask. So if you know to embrace the interfaith, like do you spend like let's say a, sem- a semester, you know, like in like major religions? Like how? Like mm-hmm. just is that? Is am I just guessing right? Like we're gonna study? Yeah, kinda. I mean, kinda, or we, is it all at once? You definitely. It's in chunks, like you described okay. it first. It, we just finished the shamanic and earth based spiritual. Okay. Uh-huh. modalities um very cool belief systems we studied uh wiccan uh-huh. shamanism from uh-huh. all different parts of the uh-huh. world uh-huh. uh origin stories and creation stories from all different cultures mm-hmm. particularly native cultures mm-hmm. and understood the way that they that those still exist in the world mm-hmm. and the way that those are expressed today yep. and being somebody who's highly focused on creativity spirituality that is really exciting to me to kind of see how big of a role art plays in mm-hmm. all of those mm-hmm. indigenous cultures and the way that they express their spirituality. I feel very much in my own personal work with creativity and spirituality that from what I've observed, we've gotten away from that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And the more the closer we get to not necessarily our indigenous cultures, but the way that our if we could just understand our own indigenous cultures and the way that they involve creativity and their spirituality mm-hmm. to the point where they were one and the same, mm-hmm. if we can come to that understanding about our own spirituality as well as the way that we express ourselves creatively, we'll do a lot of good in the world. Mm-hmm. We'll do a lot less harm. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much my thesis. Uh, that's pretty much my <laughs> PhD application. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, right there. <laughs> But yes. seriously, though, my advisor with the uh, with the seminary said that's a fantastic thing to be working. We have to do a yeah. self study part mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. We're moving mm-hmm. into Judaism when we resume okay. next week, and but there's a self study part of this that I have to be working on for two years. That's it. It's basically talking about the peace process and mm-hmm. how that manifests within the peace process with ourselves, the peace process with the people we know and mm-hmm. love and mm-hmm. meet. Mm-hmm. And then also how that can be macro in the way that nations or rival political factions right. establish peace. So um, that will be the body of my work for this seminary period so is, cool. the, is the peace process. Cool. And I plan to apply that to the Trinity's PhD program in theology and philosophy called international peace studies so we'll see wow that's the plan right Right. anything can happen (laughs) right we know what happens when you're making plans but you gotta have something (laughs) there's gotta be some sort of low structure if anything 2020 has taught us it's that that hindsight is 2020 (laughs) (laughs) oh 
Oh, oh God. I'm so time. not the first no, person to so make good. that one. Oh, it's, that's the first time I've heard it. Oh, my God. It's January 2nd. Are we recording right now? Yes. <laughs> no, it's way past January 2nd. It's the 4th. It's the 4th. <laughs> yeah. Fourth. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, gosh. Oh, there we go. I think that's a perfect th- and done. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, uh, is there anything? I always have to do the open up. Is there anything else that we like, like anything else before we like move on to fun questions? I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Because I mean, we were at, we were at the, I always like to end in like, what's next? And we, we did that. All right. Let's do some questions. Okay. What was your first car? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so that's a complicated answer. My dad was into fixing up cars. Mm-hmm. And each of us got an old beater mm-hmm. from the 70s. And this is the 90s mm-hmm. um, for our first car. And I chose a Volkswagen Carmen Ghia that <laughs> I think if, if it's... I sold it to a girl in, in the area. So if you see a little white Carmen Ghia around town, white. that's probably my old Ghia. Got it. I was about to ask. Uh, Sexy little car. I bet if if it's around town, my husband has spied it. <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, at varying times, drove a Jeep Cherokee, a little beat-up 1970s Toyota tr- pickup truck, mm-hmm. a, like a little mini truck, mm-hmm. and also this like piece of crap Toyota that barely ever ran, which was supposed to be my first car, but the Gia ran better than that, and it was like <laughs> 15 years older. So, yeah, I mean, I had Love a lot it. of first cars. I had Love a lot. It. <laughs> Love it. Um, when did you get your period? I got my period at the age of 14. Ooh, you were kind of late. I was at uh, Church of Johnson Street Church of Christ when it happened, actually. I was... Ah. Yeah, they had this a cappella concert because you're not allowed to use musical instruments there. Okay. I was at a concert and I was like grooving out to some a cappella jams and, and I went like, to the bathroom and oh no. You were like, oh. <laughs> it happened at church. <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> I think so. Okay, so I just listened to Michelle Obama's podcast and there's an, ep- an episode of her totally podcast. Totally caught up. I could, yeah. I could speak to this on every intimate okay, level. Ready? Okay. So, okay. So the episode with her mom and her brother, and mm-hmm. they talk about this and their family. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Michelle and I don't even wear home. Toilet paper. Over, under, or you don't care? I'm generally an over fan, but it's okay. not something I'm going to die. I'm not going to die on that hill. Like, okay. I, Okay, I, but I, I totally it. know the moment you're talking about on the podcast, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> I was like, "What? They're an under family?" And then she was I like, "No, well, actually, I'm like over." It must have been Barack who was like, "We're going over," you know. <laughs> Evidently, there's an official U.S. military. What is it? Over? I don't know. Okay, I'm looking. I don't know. Right I, I feel like I they, I was told at that time and completely forgot. I'm I'm googling that later. Okay. okay. All right, I'm writing that down. I've been always take I always take notes. Okay, what was the last book you read, or you're, what are you reading right now? Oh gosh, I'm actually rotating a few for school. Yeah, for school. Um, I would say that one River Many Wells, I think is what it's called by Matthew Fox, okay. is one of those. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have anything in, in arm's length, but that's the one that um, <laughs> that rises to the top for me. Beautiful book. There is another one that is called. Oh, I could see it. Let me, let me just grab. Sure. Them. They're kind of all over the place because they're wherever I hang out and play with my phone. And then I look over and go, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be reading. 
It is The Luminous Web by Barbara Brown Taylor, and it's applying the scientific method to spirituality. Ooh. Fascinating stuff. That's the one you Totally my jam. That sounds great. Tell me the title again. What was it called? Um, The Luminous Web. The Luminous Web. It's real skinny, but it takes forever to read because it is really heady. Okay. Cilantro, yes or no? No. Does it taste like like soap? You're one. You're one of them. That's why I asked this question. I'm fascinated by that. Fascinated. And you grew up in Texas. Yes. I'll never forget the first time uh, I tried cilantro. Mm-hmm. It's in San Angelo at mm-hmm. our house. Mm-hmm. My dad makes amazing salsa. Mm-hmm. He is one of those that thinks cilantro is awesome. Yes. And I liked the smell of it. Yes. Because I like herbs. Like I just yep. like it's a very smelly herb. It's not it's a nice smell. Yes. He said he was putting it in the salsa. I was excited about that. He made a salsa fresca, meaning he didn't cook it down. Yep. And I remember putting that chip in my mouth and thinking, what the hell did he do to this salsa? Right. This tastes disgusting. It tasted like he squirted Dawn. Yeah. Into the salsa. Mm-hmm. Like, like really nasty. I said, this is, this stuff is off. I don't know if you have like a rotten tomato in it or he was like, no, like it tastes great to me. And everybody in the family was like, this is really good. Uh, and we could not figure it out. For the longest time, but I'm sure. I couldn't eat it. And I love my dad's salsa. And there's really never been any other batch he's ever made that I found lacking in any way. But that particular batch, it was awful. It's I thought it was crazy. It was yeah. probably 10 years or more mm-hmm, before, before you, we figured out that, that... That's a thing. That to some people, it tastes like soap. It's When they said it tastes like soap, it, that memory like, of boom! being in that kitchen yeah. in San Angelo, Texas, I went... <gasps> That's what that was. I called my dad. I was like, dad, cilantro tastes like soap. That's a thing. I lived in Austin and a friend of mine from Massachusetts moved to Austin and we had chips and salsa and she would sit and dig the cilantro out of the pico. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she was like, it tastes awful. And I was like, you know, and then I remember reading an article that cilantro tastes like soap. And I sent it to her. I was like, this is you. It tastes it's like soap. Fascinating to me. Fascinating. I, I wish it didn't. I know. I it, if it tastes like it smelled, I think I would like it a lot. It is lovely. It is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> when you go into a coffee shop mm-hmm. and you order a latte, do you drink coffee? Oh, yeah. Okay. We're huge coffee yeah, fans just, of this family. And you go and you order a latte or cappuccino, what the, you know, ever. What milk do you order? Lately, mm-hmm. it's been oat milk. I, I am oat wild milk. for oat milk. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. I had always been, always, always, Almond. always been a whole milker. Okay. Yeah, dairy. Mm-hmm. I am a fan of the dairy, but mm-hmm. I don't know how it came about. We accidentally got oat milk when I ordered some coconut milk mm-hmm. in our grocery order. It's and lovely, huh? they accidentally sent oat milk, and I thought, oh, dear. Well, I'll make it, I'll make it work, right? And the reason we have coconut milk is to make like Asian food because yep. in mm-hmm. COVID you can't go, you can go get it, but there's certain things we can't get here. Like we can't get Thai food here. We can't get yeah. Indian food where we live. It's too remote. So uh, I have to make my own and I got some coconut milk and they sent oat milk and mm-hmm. I thought we got to use this up. We got to use it for something. I just started Googling and it turns out people love to put it in their coffee. So yep. I just started telling Alex, like put oat milk in my coffee when you make the coffee and it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The flavor, the texture. Oh, I, I love it. I love I, it. 
I have to watch out because um, some of them are not gluten free. That's so true. They're not. Oats, so oats are gluten free, but they're processed often with wheat in the same, you know, stuff. Like, it, it, yeah. So same unfortunately, with soy, actually. Yeah. yeah be I careful have to, with soy products for the same uh-huh, reason. Uh-huh. Can you drive a standard transmission? Absolutely. All right. Volkswagen, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Air cooled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, where are you in the birth order? Last. Out of how many? Three. Okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What was By your- a big old margin, oh, by really? the way. Yeah, my brother's seven years older than me. My sister's like 10, 11 years older oh, than me. Oh, you were the oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, was I. And it <laughs> manifested in everything. Got it. Oh, yeah. They thought they oh, were done. Yeah. Mom and dad thought they were done. Oh, if you ask my siblings, they'll say I was the spoiled one. Because, you know, mm-hmm. when they, had, they grew up with a... With parents that had three kids, I grew up with parents that had one, one kid, kid. Yep. and then two adult grown children, right? Yeah, and they just difference. thought I was a spoiled little bitch. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. But I think they've come around to realize that all of that laser focus was not necessarily beneficial on one person. <laughs> <laughs> it was best spread across. Spread across. I don't mean to say my parents are, you know, awful or no, not, I mean, I don't mean to apply that if they're <laughs> listening or whatever, but I just think that their disciplinary measures were extreme. They were at the time very conservative and mm-hmm. very, very based on evangelical Christian ideals. So all of that got focused on a very, very rebellious, experimental spirit. <laughs> and expressive and slightly rebellious youngest child. <laughs> Fun times. What was your kindergarten teacher's name? Oh gosh, I don't remember. She probably still teaches. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, I don't remember. Sweet lady though. Nice, nice person. So the next day, what do you regret more, high heels or jalapenos? Oh, high heels. I don't even <laughs> wear them anymore, but I grow my own jalapenos. You can't get jalapenos oh. in Ireland. I've got a whole, I've got four plants, no, three, because one died. Three plants, jalapenos, right there in the next room, Spoken growing in the window. like a true Texan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotta have them. Yeah, got it. I never regret them. Never. Yeah. <laughs> high heels, though. I, I I left my high heels in the states. I didn't bring any over. So you, mean, you were like done with it. Mm-mm. Done with it. Okay, so the last thing is, where can people find you if they want to connect with you if they're interested in your in your work? That's an interesting question. Okay, I'm taking an indefinite hiatus from social media, but I'm okay. leaving all of those pages up. You can find mm-hmm. creativity is spirituality on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can also find April Kling Meyer on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, my website is kind of in flux, but for the time okay. being, you can find me at A-L-K-M dot me, which spells alchemy. But yeah. it only seems to work on me. Like every time I show it to people, they're like, oh, that's your initials dot me. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's supposed to spell alchemy, but it doesn't really work out. So I'm <laughs> I'm transitioning it over to creativityisspirituality.com. Okay. But I haven't done that yet. So for the time being, it's alkm.me. Alchemy. But yeah, it's a- April. Clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Meyer. I see it. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> so over. yeah, you can find me on <laughs> yeah, Instagram. It's, yeah. it's just really kind of serving as a placeholder. You get a real clear idea of what I'm about. I write 
on there constantly. Oh, 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 actually, actually, mm-hmm. go to patreon.com slash That's right. Subscribe like your life depends on it because I put everything on there. All of my art, all of my writings, my podcast episodes when those mm-hmm. come out, which mm-hmm. that is also being rebranded. So stay tuned for that. But everything goes on my Patreon. I even do a weekly broadcast on my experience in seminary. So if that's something anybody that's listening is curious about, it is an invite to a live Q&A. I haven't had anybody take me up on that quite yet, to be honest. It's only been (laughs) a few months. But every week on Monday, I just hop on there on Zoom, Mm -hmm. and I record talking about what happened in the last week in seminary. I keep strict confidentiality with, you know, the people that I interact with and stuff like that. I just talk about what I'm learning about and the books that I'm reading and the lessons that we're learning. And it's, uh, I'm never at a loss for what to talk about. Stuff happens in seminary. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of stuff. Stuff happens in seminary. Oh, There's a great title of something. (laughs) It is wild. Yeah. Patreon.com slash April Klingmeyer. That should get you... I mean, that really is where you need to go. It's yeah. it's where it's where I put everything these days. Got it. All right. And then I always have to remind everyone that I'm at LaJoy Society, L-A-J-O-I-E Society on Instagram. And that's the website as well. It's LaJoySociety.com. We always need rates and reviews for the show. Um, just I'm just at the top and at the bottom of every show. We're just going to keep talking about it. Five stars. <laughs> write something, too. I mean, if you want to write, you know, stars. stars, you could write five stars. What else? I guess that's it. I guess we're just going to call it a wrap. And uh, we'll meet here again next week, everyone. Bye. Everything up to this point has led me here and there's no Cards left on tables and cards played